Good morning. Sunday morning. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Wrong Think Radio. I'm Aaron, broadcasting from just outside the nation's capital in beautiful northern Virginia. And I'm Alan, coming to you from the lovely and sunny greater Seattle metropolitan area. And this is Wrong Think Radio. This is our two-hour live program that we put on every single week to bring you guys our facts and analysis of what's going on in the world, what kind of propaganda to look out for, and, of course, some of the just most cringy uh, reactions humanly possible, of which we have a lot uh there's been a lot that's actually gone on on the show or well it, it, during the week and everything that we have to cover on the show but i have a couple of fun clips um which might be a new thing now uh there there might be more content now that leads us to being able to do what i'm going to call some fun clips um or at least uh, some of the random viral stuff but there was um yeah, there's 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 a lot of things that we're going to cover in the show today. Primarily, the left tried to start World War III, which we'll get to later on in the program. Uh, we'll also talk about the fact that in case if you're on Twitter, bring a bucket because it's flooded with tears. Um, so much stuff to get to. But of course, a big part and one thing that we have to mention is there's an additional meltdown occurring because it was made official this week. Republicans are going to take control of the House. It's not as great of a thing as people would believe, because as some of you, and maybe like myself included, are a little disappointed because Kevin McCarthy is still the Speaker of the House, which a lot of people did not want to have happen uh, for obvious reasons and other reasons that we'll get into later on in the program, given um, where some of his money came from. Oh, great. Uh, but before we dive into all of that nonsense, uh, there was a viral video that apparently has been around for a couple of weeks, uh, but I took a look at it and it is going around on TikTok and it is of a daughter's eulogy at her dad's funeral. And this apparently occurred in August. And I'm going to play the clip that went viral uh, so you all can hear exactly how deranged liberalism truly is in this world uh here is the viral clip from a eulogy a daughter's eulogy for her father in august because when you died it solidified the fact that you'll never be what you could have been but only what you are and what you are is a racist misogynistic xenophobic trump-loving cis-straight white man that is all you will ever be to me and again wow mm. now very sad this was going viral for a while. A lot of people pointing this out. This was something that was on TikTok and, and stuff like that. But what's the most impressive is the identity has now been revealed. The Daily Mail revealed the identity of the person speaking in this viral video. The person speaking, first of all, she's biracial. Most people probably think she's just black, but in fact, she's biracial. Her name is Samantha Foss. She is the daughter of Donald Foss. Donald Foss happens to be 
a billionaire. In fact, he, at the time of his death, was worth $2 billion. His biracial daughter, Samantha Foss, grew up in the billionaire's $7.3 million mansion in Franklin, Michigan, and currently attends Oglethorpe College, where the tuition is $57,000 a year. This is probably one of the best examples I can give of what liberalism in America is. It is a super privileged, rich beyond the imagination of the majority of the country, the vast majority of the country, playing Mm -hmm. at being a victim, blaming her father likely because he didn't give money to the things she thought he should. Or perhaps she started her own thing and wanted daddy to finance it, and he didn't. Mm -hmm. Or she wants top cover so that she doesn't feel obligated to give away any of her billion-dollar inheritance. There's certainly that. I mean, what is it that encourages this what I, I i don't think it's out i don't think it's out of the realm of possibility to say that this is completely inappropriate behavior this is insane this is insane behavior and right. also just wildly disrespectful and selfish to the rest of your family definitely i i mean yeah it's definitely just it is beyond the pale and it is extremely ugly. I'll say that much. So why do you think she did it, Alan? Social points. Yeah. I think she probably felt ashamed that she grew up in the lap of luxury. And I think she felt like this is a way she could kind of make a name for herself and deflect any criticism that she is the beneficiary of white privilege. She did it for for dumb social points with people that she shouldn't. She shouldn't respect. People that ultimately will eat her alive and just take her money. Yeah, but she gets to. But she gets to feel good about it. She gets to feel good about herself. So there's that. Well, and I think the virality of it is was the point. It's all this weird attention seeking behavior. Um, it's just, uh, um, it's just, like I said, it it is one of the best and top examples that I can absolutely give of just how grotesque liberalism in America is where that's, that's exactly it. It's to get points. It's to get extra credit. You, you had mentioned when we, when we did our show prep call, you're like, nobody was asking her to do this. There was zero people were asking her to go condemn her dad or anything crazy like that. That wasn't happening. This is all like for extra credit in the virtue signal department. Exactly. Just absolutely bananas. But I wanted to address it because of the hilarity that is she came from a billion dollar family. And is likely excessively rich herself now because of that. Most certainly. Yeah. So 
in a, in a shock to nobody, an overly privileged liberal is pretending to be a victim and suggesting that everybody else is a bad person. Right. Liberals love nothing more than billionaires who do what they say, I guess. Now, yeah, it's well, just sad. I mean, it's. But again, the, the, don't you can't expect any gratitude from these people. Oh, yeah, certainly not. Well, you know, because you're just a bad, you'll always just be a fifth gender white bad person. Of course, by the way, she has they, them pronouns. Of course. Why the thing is, she doesn't actually believe this. She's just, she's saying this because it is in vogue to say this at the time. It is a way for her to deflect any criticism of maybe her friends, people she knows, whoever, saying that she needs to give away all her money. Uh, certainly... There's probably a, a good layer of bitterness there because she knows that she is the beneficiary of something she didn't earn. And there is probably well, no. a lot of resentment that goes with that, knowing that she'll probably never be, she could never have become a billionaire herself and is only now probably a billionaire due to the inheritance and essentially the unearned nature of it, I'm sure rankles her considerably. I'm sure for the last few years, she's been probably using this social justice rhetoric as a way to make herself feel comfortable with the fact that she is the beneficiary of white benevolence that her now, father her and i think that's what probably frustrates her more than anything is that all she hears is this demonization of white people but here she is in the lap of luxury being sent to the best possible schools with all the opportunities in the world due to a white man and right. that makes her probably very resentful but she makes her resentful and she is told she should be resentful about this and that resentment is not being moderated by anything but encouraged by all of these other activists and this general cultural milieu of hatred towards white americans which is amazing because it's you know she's half that but also in addition well, barack obama was half white but he, we still call him the black president well, <laughs> that's true enough. Well, the, the, the other funny part is like, what, what, what do you think? Um, do you think that there's any chance that she's going to give away her million dollar or possibly billion dollar inheritance to, uh, to help black and brown bodies? I mean, she might do a, to give some sort of token donation, but at the end of the day, no. Yeah, of course not. No. And, and the fact that it's unearned is going to make her upset and resentful. But at the same time, she's going to feel she deserves every penny of that as recompense, as justice. Well, she probably those... is going to get in, she probably will even get in fights with her extended family over who deserves more of the inheritance. Ooh, what if that's it too? Like it's a big inheritance battle and she feels that her, her BIPOC nature uh, requires her to have more money. Probably. I mean, I'm sure she could, she's, she might even be making that case with lawyers right now in the, the hearing. Like, I mean, I don't know how much money she got, but the fact is if you're pulling out nonsense like this, it makes me skeptical of your motives because these people lie all the time. Right. Now, for anybody who's interested in reading more in depth on that story or any of the stuff that we actually present throughout our show, um, you can now actually see all of our show notes, uh, just go to subscribestar.com forward slash wrong think radio. And if you're a subscriber, you will be able to see the show notes with all the links to the stuff that we talked about. It was a request that was made by the audience. So it is available there. 
but I wanted to say that real quick now that people have kind of joined in. All right, our final like quick story uh, for funsies, we'll say. Uh, there was a CNN panel that, by the way, included Don Lemon because he's on in the mornings now because uh, his nightly show by himself was not doing so well. So they moved him to the mornings on CNN. Uh, and him and his panel of two white women were very distraught over the fact that nobody on Jeopardy knew who Kentanji Brown Jackson was. Here's the audio from their reaction to that. The clue that raised eyebrows, it was the moment that followed, this moment. She's the first black woman on the Supreme Court and the first justice to have been a federal public defender. That's Justice Jackson, Katanji Brown Jackson. I don't think that's that surprising, I will it's say. Just, these a lot are, of people are, are smart on the Supreme people, Court. though. These are, when you go on Jeopardy, when you go on Jeopardy, I, I, she look, was if you just were, confirmed. Okay, right? but listen, She's if you're standing outside, I think Caitlin's right. If you're standing outside of a mall or whatever, and people may not know when they do the man on the street yeah, thing, yeah. yes. But when you're smart enough to be a contestant on Jeopardy, you got to know about current events to be yeah. on Jeopardy. This feeds into Alan's fun theory about what actually drives liberals, mm -hmm. which is that you're supposed to be what you're you're supposed to be part of the intelligentsia, the elite. Yeah, that's that's the lie that that's the, the lie they sell to get people to choose to willingly lie to themselves. The, the, what they sell to people is you get to be part of the aristocracy that's not part of the dumb peasantry, and all you have to do is believe these believe these certain things to repeat these certain things. Um, it's actually a genius because everyone wants to be part of the aristocracy. Everyone wants to be part of the upper class. Everyone wants to be part of the elite. And they're hijacking that normal impulse and saying, oh, you don't have to actually make anything of yourself. You don't actually have to do anything. All you have to do is the simplest thing in the world is just repeat our lies. And a lot of people very readily jump on that bag and go, well, all I have to do is align myself rhetorically with these people and I can be I can feel better than the other half well then yeah absolutely I'm going to do that that's that's the best thing in the world I can be living in the same suburb in the same house as the same in with the going to the same schools as all these dumb stupid racist trump supporters and all I and but I can feel like I'm superior to them it's 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 actually genius. It's a really smart way to pull to to do this because it gets people to it gets people to choose to support you at a deep emotional level because you're appealing to one of a core human need, which is I guess either self respect or respect of others. But it's this sort of we, but you're weirdly twisting it. It's like a, it's a manipulative thing, but it's nonetheless effective. Right, and and. <clears throat> what it also shows is none of that none of that mattered what what they're upset about is they're like well i mean you're supposed to know current events and you're supposed to be smart and it's like yeah nobody cared about well it 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 focuses on a few things that we've kind of mentioned which is number one the majority of liberals checked out of politics and news when joe biden got elected Part of that is so they can play ignorant over all the failures that are happening 
uh, within Joe Biden's presidency. Mm-hmm. They just want to turn a blind eye to it. Like, well, no, I made the band Orange Man go away and I'm going to stop paying attention because within the first few months, Joe Biden had been screwing up so royally that a lot of them just checked out. They stopped listening. They stopped paying attention. You can see this as evidenced by a lot of the uh, TV news ratings mm-hmm. and ratings for other publications. People have absolutely checked out on the left because they don't want to know how big of a mistake they made in electing a dementia patient who campaigned from his basement. And that exactly. ignorance, when it shows, freaks out an entire panel of CNN hosts. Because right. nobody cares about the diversity hire. Because if we're being honest, that was the appeal of Kentonji Brown Jackson. We all know that. In fact, they explicitly said it. Explicitly when she was nominated to the Supreme Court, it was because she was black and because she was female. She is literally the definition of a diversity hire. And even the most liberal of elite don't know or care about her background or her pedigree. Not enough to even, on a quiz show, know who the hell they're talking about. Which I think is evidentiary of a lot. It just, Mm -hmm. it shows the, it shows something that I know I don't need to tell the audience, but I like to, I I think it, it belongs out on the airwaves, which is... The entire popular aspect of liberalism in America is low information. Yes. Which is going to lead us further into the discussion that we're going to get into later on in the program, which is why there is so much of a freak out over Twitter right now. Um, But it is 100% because... For liberalism in America to thrive, people need to be low information and ignorant of reality. They need to be fed simple, emotional bullshit for them to keep hanging on, but not know enough of the actual ramifications of decisions, just the here's the feel-good points that you get for supporting this thing, but stop paying attention beyond that. Because if you see the results of your efforts, you will be horrified at what you're allowing to occur. Right. And to that point, there was an amazing stealth edit that happened this week uh, from the Washington Post. There was, you guys may not even know, there was a mass shooting that occurred on a bus for the University of Virginia. A football player went onto a bus in the University of Virginia and shot it up. And it turns out that the gunman was a former or current, I'm not sure, football player. His name was Christopher Darnell Jones Jr. Once they posted the image of him, of course, a lot of people mentioned that it was going to be uh, memory hold because the shooter was black and we're all told that this person, it has to be, uh, you know, every, every mass shooter has to be white and it's always uh, racially motivated or some nonsense like that. 
Um, that seems to be the constant refrain. Well, when the shooter was black, everybody said that it's going to get memory hold. For some weird reason, the Washington Post releases a tweet with this headline, quote, suspected UVA gunman had troubled childhood, but then flourished. They basically wrote an an apologetic puff piece about how this poor, downtrodden, poor kid was bullied in school. They made excuses for a guy who walked onto a bus and shot kid, shot other students while they were sleeping. Yeah. And of course, after the backlash, the Washington Post stealth edited the headline and basically tried to get rid of any evidence that they had ever written it. Mm-hmm. But why? Why? Of all... What's the encouragement for a journalist and an editor and all of the hands that this had to go through for them to say, okay, well, what we really need to do is focus on um, how this kid came from a rough neighborhood, how he, how he was raised in a single family and, and how his mom was working two jobs. Yeah. What's, what's, what's going on here? Why would you do this? What's the point of this? Again, it'd be, it would have been so easy to just say nothing. They could have just been like, they could have done what they normally do. No, well, it's just, shooter was black. Let's not talk about it. Let's just let it go. Let's just memory hole it and pretend it didn't do anything. But this falls in with what I keep seeing is the main driving force for people on the left seems to be to prove the racists wrong. They can't let the racists get a win. And I'm sure some journalists saw it's like a bunch of these awful racists are going to point out that this guy was black and that's going to be a big problem. So I need to write a puff piece that, you know, gets ahead of that when it's like no one asked for this. No, this was not necessary. And I think this follows with a lot of the efforts of these journalists at all these different journal like, you know, story journalistic outlets is they sit on Twitter all day. They see what the right wing, the evil racists are up to, and then they manufacture a lot of their articles as a way to try and discredit and get in front of what the racists are complaining about. There's no way to view this article as not intentionally manipulative top cover for a murderer so that people can't that so that someone somewhere can't claim that, you know, talk about black violence or something weird like that. Right. Yeah. And that's exactly it is it's the, it is the sake of narrative control. Well, this breaks the narrative. What what it actually does is it proves what these people are saying. It proves what the quote right wing, the alt right, or whoever you want to call it, it proves exactly what they're saying, which is that the liberal media has a narrative. They have a sold ideology that they are going to thrust upon the world. And they will bend and break any facts that get in the way of that ideology and of that narrative. And then almost as if they're controlled by their own enemies, meaning the liberal media, almost as if the liberal Mm -hmm. media is controlled by their own enemies, they prove it time and time again. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's incredible because... 
like like you were saying, if you just said nothing, it would have been fine. But the fact that you had to rush out and carry the water and almost write a puff piece basically proves that you were so worried about the fact that, oh God, it's a mass shooter who's black. We can't, we have to kind of, we have to figure out a way to make that okay or make excuses right. for it or else the racist will say that there was a black mass shooter. And what that actually proves is that the mainstream media is intent on pushing the idea that mass shooters can only be white. Right. This reinforces the thing that a lot of us have been seeing for a, quite some time, which is that there is an intentional effort on the part of the mainstream media to control the national narrative and through the flow of information. And this is yet another piece of evidence in the box that proves that that is true. Well, and to further that proof, the reactions, obviously, we... I'm not going to say we haven't avoided talking about the whole Twitter thing with uh, Elon Musk taking over. It's just that, you know, everyone already kind of knows about it and it would be very right. repetitive. But now it has boiled to a point where it does make our point for us. So we'll kind of foray into it. Um, in an obvious troll, Elon yeah. Musk had a vote on whether or not Trump should be reinstated on Twitter. Uh, he had it this last week and 134 million people saw the poll, 15 million people voted and Trump won 51% to 48%. The announcement that Musk would reinstate Trump has resulted in an entire meltdown from the left. Mm -hmm. Now this was in addition to the meltdown that we saw earlier this week that 70% I believe it was of Twitter staff is gone or at least in their engineering staff. Well, no, and, I believe what it was, was it was, oh, it was 90 thousand. It was Twitter was had something like a couple inflated between 2016 and to didn't now 2022 inflated their non-engineering staff by a, something like a couple thousand people. And this is all the people whose job was content moderation and HR and a bunch of this other sort of, politically motivated nonsense i believe that is where the vast majority of these cuts took place in essentially non-engineering staff now there were cuts i believe to the engineering staff but a lot of essentially the dead weight of the company was viewed as why are these people here what do they even do they're not software engineers making twitter work we don't need them goodbye now it's amazing because just a few days ago, for any of you that are on Twitter or have paid attention to any of the news, Twitter was supposed to burn to the ground, and then it didn't happen. It was supposed to become unworkable and completely dead. What's right. number one, the number one thing about how journalism and liberals are covering this and the mainstream media is covering all this Twitter nonsense, what happens when Twitter doesn't die with the majority of its staff gone. It's going to be a wake-up call. I, I I don't even know if it's proper to say that because I think the majority of Americans understand this, but it's a wake-up call to the elite that 
tech is mostly bullshit. Right. I think what, what I think a lot of these tech companies have become because times were so good and they were making so much money, they could easily become very heavily inflated as far as companies go. And I think what this move by Twitter is, is cutting all of these seemingly almost unnecessary jobs. If Twitter is able to keep going, they have it, they've come to cut something like millions of dollars in operating costs. And I can see a lot of companies will look at that and go, well, do we need to keep employing all of these people? And so I think this is an interesting development. I think a lot of these companies were kind of just rolling with it and just be like, yeah, yeah, we essentially are reveling in our own success and we are being approached by the government on like who to censor. We have all this power and doesn't this all feel great? We can be ideologically motivated and there's really no negative. Well, I think a bunch of people in the, these companies are not necessarily ideologues, but there are people that are very practical pragmatic people that will look at what Twitter just did and go, well, they're still functional. In fact, they probably are going, Twitter, I believe is probably going to be even more of a functional competitive company now, simply by cutting all of these useless jobs and focusing more on their core product. I can imagine a lot of, there's going to be a lot of executives at other tech, tech companies going, we should do that. At, are all these jobs necessary for us? We're spending millions of dollars. Think of what we could be funding. Think of how many more engineers we could hire or how many more products we could produce or any of these things. It essentially provides an argument for a lot of these tech, these tech companies to get rid of the dead weight, which has been bogging them down. And I would argue making them more politically biased, because when you fill your company with a bunch of left-wing activists in HR or product development or the other, other places, you have inevitably become more politicized as a company. Right. Well, and, and, and what's, what's amazing about that too is well, because of that fear, because what does happen, you know, if all of these executives all of a sudden take a look and go, well, Musk went into Twitter and cut some, I do think it was something like 90% of the staff. It was like 7,500 employees down to 750. Yeah. And they go, Hilarious. he cut all that staff and everything is still operable. We are in a recession. Thanks, Joe Biden. We have to mm -hmm. deal with insane inflation, thanks, Joe Biden. So cutting costs is about the only way to really remain profitable. So what happens? This is a very serious threat to the aristocracy who lives suckling off of Silicon Valley. How mm -hmm. many lawyers and accountants and bullshit HR people or to be fair, like to be completely honest, how many DE&I representatives making God knows how many hundreds of thousands of dollars a year doing nothing more than pushing racial nonsense are going to suddenly be looked at and go, why are we paying this? Why are we paying $350,000 for somebody's who, somebody whose job it is to basically just make middle management a pain in the ass for the C-suite for all the executives? Yeah. Like what people need to understand, regardless of your opinion of Elon Musk, because I get it. People go back and forth. It doesn't really matter. What people mm -hmm. need to understand is what happens if he is successful? What happens if he makes, by the way, 
another successful company. It's oh, going I, I to think become. I, absolutely. I think they will. Think of it as, um, I don't know if you ever watched the show on Chernobyl that they created. I but, did. Okay. I thought it was a very, as someone who did a, a, one of my big college kind of theses on Chernobyl and the Soviet nuclear industry, I thought it was actually a very good show that really showcases the acts and everything. So highly recommend the recent show on Chernobyl. I don't remember what it was on, but anyway, or what HBO or something. Like that. Anyway, it was a great show. But at the end, they have sort of a investigation slash trial of the guys, the engineers in charge of the plant. And there's a great part where the guy, a guy has a little board and he's basically saying, here's all the things that go into the reactor. And he puts it all on one side. And then here's all the things that go into stopping a nuclear reaction and puts those on the other side. And then he's like, well, when we removed this, that and basically is all of these things stack up against all of these things which keep the reactor under control and then explains the accident as well we removed this and we removed this and then we got more of this and you can see how you know eventually the runaway reaction side of the equation vastly outstripped the keep the reaction controlled side of his little board and i think it's similar with trump and these tech and or not trump pardon me with musk tech companies and their blow their essentially bloated uh, departments anymore is I'm is essentially if Musk is able to take Twitter, fire all of these useless people, strip out a lot of the politicization that is inside the, his company, it essentially puts something on the side of the board that says, hey, let's get let's change our business models back to the way it used to be of making functional products it now waits that decision versus we should play nice with the current political wins and so if you're the an executive of another tech company you could look and say well we could do what twitter did and that's very successful and they're making more money we now have a reason to do that we can show that there is a i can now make the case to our top to the people that run the company saying we could be more profitable if we did this versus the guys, I don't know, the some blue haired person in HR saying we need to have a DEI programs and we need to align with the current political winds because that'll make us so much more socially acceptable. You now have a, a something to counterbalance that effort, which is, I think, very compelling if Twitter is uh, a more productive and profitable company. It's it almost is it's a it's sort of this balancing act. I think a lot of companies felt there's no negative to embracing being heavily politicized, DEI stuff, public relations. There's no negative to doing that. Or if we don't do that, there are the, the it's it's going to be worse for our company because we'll become uh, the woke mob will come after us, etc. Now I can say, well, yeah, we're trying to do that. We're spending all this money. Twitter got rid of all that, and they're now positive. I think that it could be a signal of of change in a lot of these companies. Essentially, it's um, it would be like Twitter is now the example they can point to and say, see, it would be a success. We can take the risk on doing that, and we are get are more guaranteed a success than just theoretical. Well, and what's what's amazing about it too is what's so brilliant about some of the trolling that is going on here is he took a vote. Yeah, he took a vote. Is is that not the most democratic thing you could possibly do? I mean, so I think the vote was 
not done in good faith, essentially. Go on. So here's my theories on this big vote. Is I think that this was for was possibly two things. Number one, Musk wanted to reinstate Trump. Let's start with that. He committed to free speech. It probably never sat well with him that Trump was kicked off Twitter. Let's just take him at his word. He promotes free speech, all that. Okay. He wants to reinstate Trump, but doesn't want to get a bunch of backlash doing it. He runs a poll. Now he can point to the poll and say, I didn't unilaterally let Trump back on. Millions of people wanted me to let Trump back on. I'm going to let him back on and you can't get upset at old Elon Musk. Right. That's the first half of that equation. So it gives him perfect top cover to reinstate Trump without becoming the target of anyone's ire. Secondarily, there's a potential liability question if the deep state uses Trump being back on Twitter and is trying to bog down Twitter to destroy it with ridiculous investigations, doing doing it in this way potentially allows Twitter to claim on any congressional, say, hearing trying uh, on Twitter for, quote, allowing a known insurrectionist back on the platform to say, I polled all of our people. The people wanted him back. That would be able to, you can throw that in the face of any congressional investigation trying to destroy Twitter. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a masterful move because you get to sit there and say, I took a vote. Mm -hmm. This was a democratic process of my users. Right. And they voted. If you didn't vote, not my problem. It was up long enough. It was seen, like like I said, it was seen by 134 million people. Like, yeah, we all know what his intent was. Right. Um, and you're absolutely correct. It's just, what's the response going to be? And what's amazing about it is, so his his response when he, when he announced that he was going to bring Trump back, which we'll get to that in a second too. He said, the people have spoken. Trump will be reinstated. Vox Populi, Vox Dei. Ave Imperator. <laughs> but the, the, the funny part is one of the top reactions that's being shared is from the president of the NAACP, Derek Johnson, who is now trying to push an advertiser boycott and it's the NAACP. So understand this. This is, this is bigger than people might think. This isn't just some guy. This is a mob that is going to be able to force companies to do what they are asking them to do to protest Twitter or else they're going to have accusations of racism, governmental contract threatened, governmental contracts threatened. This is going to become a lot bigger than I think people realize. So when you know when you have Derek Johnson of the NAACP coming out and demanding that advertisers boycott Twitter, there is an implicit threat there that what happens if they don't? There's an implicit threat of what will ha- what will occur if they do not. 
And that means that the NAACP is going to go after you. They are going to send their mobs of racial grievance folk after you if you do not boycott Twitter. If you are advertising Mm -hmm. actively on Twitter, you are now going to be called a racist. You are now Mm -hmm. going to be mobbed by the liberal left until you comply. So that's number one. But in his response, he said, quote, you are failing our democracy <laughs> by taking a vote. <laughs> Understand, by, th- this is the greatest introspection to exactly what is so messed up in our country when it comes to liberals using the word democracy, how they've destroyed not just the term, but the actual ideology behind it. You're failing our democracy by taking a vote. He's failing democracy because of course he is to the liberals. He is quote. uh, He he goes on your garbage poll means nothing. Oh, now under, so this guy didn't get the result he wanted. Trump won the vote. Let's just cage it in those terms. Trump won the vote. So now it means nothing. This guy is the equivalent of an election denier. He is denying the election because he didn't get the result he wanted. Your garbage Mm -hmm. poll means nothing. You're failing our democracy. So the people didn't vote the way I want. Democracy is now dead. And the vote means nothing. That is what this guy is saying. That is what they say for every election they don't get their way. If they don't get their way, then democracy has failed. That is the exact... This Remember, not random guy. President of the NAACP. One of the most powerful groups in the United States of America, one of the most powerful lobbyists in the United States. This is exactly why there are, this is exactly why people believe that elections are stolen in this country because the president of the NAACP doesn't on something as simple as a Twitter poll on whether or not Donald Trump, the 45th president of the United States can have his Twitter account back. This guy is screaming, failing democracy. This vote means nothing. He goes on to say, did people outside the U.S. vote, which shouldn't matter because it's a global platform, did you reach out to marginalized communities, the targets of Trump's rhetoric for their input? Your followers don't represent America. Uh, If you run Twitter like this, God help us all. Also, why why is it America centric? Which is your followers don't represent America. Why is giving Trump back his Twitter account a uniquely American thing? Well, Unless they know, well, if Trump gets his Twitter account back, he might win re-election. Oh well, yeah. Well, that's now that's exactly it. Heaven forbid that uh, Americans are able to hear a counterpoint. To the NAA, to people like the NAACP. That's yeah. the threat to democracy. Remember, democracy means jack shit to the left. Mm-hmm. I have another theory on why he ran this poll. Okay. If you'd like to hear it. Sure. I think a there's high likelihood that he ran this poll as a way to draw out uh, bot accounts 
for investigation by his now politically purged engineering staff. Oh, that's okay. Okay. Go on. So he puts up this poll, I think knowing that all of these uh, left wing bot accounts would probably be cued into it to vote in his little poll because they couldn't help themselves. And now he can look at the poll date and go, okay, everybody that voted no, that is a, that let's investigate that and see like engineering staff that has now been purged of all of your left wing activists, possibly potentially investigate that and tell me how many of those are real accounts and how many of that are actually bots. At, at the very minimum, that seems like a likely explanation for what we've seen. No, it's a good way to do it because what you can do is you take the amount of the amount of time that you put out there, you take a look at the user engagement, yep. you know, via retweets. You basically create create a, it's a galaxy map of how it spreads. And then you see how quickly votes get entered from a specific path. For example, um on Twitter for anybody, you can look at your own metrics. You can see how many people took a look at your account. You can see how many people interacted and expanded a tweet. Um, you can also see who retweeted it, who liked it. Mm -hmm. Well, by that dent, that creates a pathway of of sharing. Of the, it shows the information flow. In fact, there's entire programs set up to follow this information flow. Right. By that, if, for example. If somebody retweeted something and then within seconds, a thousand votes occurred off that retweet, you, well, you've got a bot account on your hands. Yeah, exactly. And so you could do that on both sides. That's actually, I, I not really considered that. That's uh -huh. hilarious and is exactly the kind of engineering mentality that you expect from someone like Elon Musk. Yep. That's funny as hell. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. Yeah. And of course, because it's Elon Musk, he's going to come out and go, yeah, this is why I did it. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, it, it's it is it's interesting. It'll be curious to see how, how Elon Musk runs Twitter and what comes of it. But there is some at least some potential that he's going to uncover this this sort of large bot account network that has been being used to influence journalists and I guess the Twitter information sphere for quite some time. Well, brass tacks on a lot of this is part of the reason why the liberal left is so upset over Elon Musk owning Twitter is because that's where they do all their work. Yeah. Like <laughs> I am, I'm not joking as somebody who, you know, does let's be honest, we're, we're an amateur podcast. But as somebody who uses social media to curate content, but also uses other sources because I was an, an intelligence analyst and I never single source information because it's bad business, I can tell you definitively by my own observations and, of course, those of other people, journalism today and has been for about five or six years is entirely curated on Twitter. These, these people, journalists are not what everyone thinks they are. They are mm. drooling idiots who sit on Twitter all day and then write about what people tweet. That's yeah. all they do. <laughs> this was never better revealed than during the Donald Trump presidency. 
there are people who made upwards of millions of dollars and their entire job was to have their phone buzz anytime Donald Trump tweeted and then bitch about it in a, you know, four or five paragraphs, uh, blog write-up basically. Mm -hmm. And that, that was, that's journalism in the United States in 2022 folks. That's why they're so worried because what the hell are they going to write about if the information spectrum isn't basically a clearinghouse for liberal nonsense? They were dependent on the ideologically driven psychopaths at Twitter HQ to feed them what the current thing was. But what happens if the current thing is in fact popularized through actual interaction and you realize that America's, I don't know, more right wing, maybe even just more centrist, but certainly not just a pipeline of liberal nonsense. Oh, most definitely. This is why they're terrified of free speech. Because if if people can speak freely, then they're going to come to conclusions that they don't like because those conclusions are true. Yeah, it's going to be horrifying. Mm -hmm. And the result of all of this, these reactions and what the the fear over uh, Elon Musk taking over Twitter has resulted in some very interesting responses that have come from uh, Democrat lawmakers. For example, uh, you had Ed Markey, uh, who has decided to directly threaten Elon Musk. Suddenly, suddenly he's concerned about what is allowed and not allowed on Twitter. Now, I want to remind everybody that Twitter suppressed a news story right before an election that was entirely true and was later found to be coordinating with the United States government to lie and withhold information from its users. Just so we're all on the same page here. Now Democrats are concerned about what Twitter users are allowed to be exposed to. This is a uh, this is um Ed Markey talking about uh what's going to come uh for Elon Musk because he's running Twitter the way he wants and not the way that the Democrats want him to. And again, as the owner of these companies, he can fire anyone he wants. Uh, He can do whatever he wants inside of those companies. But when he's dealing with the federal government in terms of federal laws, he's not free to do that. You cannot ignore what the federal government is requiring of your company. And that goes for safety rules in your vehicles, and it also goes for guardrails. Uh, that have to be built around social media sites that are allowing for uh, Twitter for $8 to give someone an ability to impersonate who they are. And they could be impersonating the fact that they're the CDC or Eli Willie or yes. uh, Lily or a United States senator. Yes. That is not permissible. And they would pay, they will pay a price if they don't put safeguards in place at Twitter. Now, I want you to understand why... Why the mention, you know, that goes for, uh, you know, safety regulations for your vehicles. I, I want you to think what? on that for, for a second. N- notice he, he mentions he can fire whoever he wants. He could have just immediately gone to, you know, but that, you know, he can fire whoever he wants, but he needs to be able to have safeguards in there to make sure that people aren't impersonating public figures or whatever. He could have just gone to that for some reason. 
why would a Democrat lawmaker randomly mention safety regulations for, obviously he's mentioning Tesla. Well, I can tell you exactly why. That's a threat. Hmm. Oh, don't, don't worry, Elon. We can't, we're not going to just mess with Twitter and this little thing. We can come after every company you own. That's what he's saying. You know, yeah. you can't just tell the federal government to piss off because uh, maybe we have to audit, you know, maybe, and we've already seen this, right? When when Elon Musk was getting ready to buy Twitter and there was the first massive freakout, suddenly the SEC just so happened to want to investigate Tesla. Yeah. I'm sure it was coincidental, right? Yeah. They're, they're about to lose, they're about to lose their greatest, um, propaganda platform for the left and uh they just suddenly start investigating the company oh that's strange strange how that happens just such coincidence but not the only person who's commented senator amy klobuchar also weighed in uh on elon musk and his supposed responsibilities to the united states and uh the audience here is going to find this very interesting on what democrats are suddenly concerned about when it comes to social media this isn't just Twitter, as you just pointed mm -hmm. out, Eugene. Yeah. Uh, this is also about all of these companies. There are no rules of the road in place. We have no federal privacy law. We have state ones. Right. We have no competition policy for tech that right. applies to tech, something I've been trying to change. Uh, we have uh, no rules when it comes to do they get to keep their immunity when they're actually amplifing hate speech right. or misinformation yeah. and making money off it. It is one thing when someone just posts something and sends an email, puts something out there, and you own a company on which they did it. It is another when you are amplifying it and making exactly. money off it. There are ways, as other countries have done, that we could put rules in place. So I think this should be a major focus for the Congress next year. Okay. I Wait. Huh. You mean to tell me that suddenly Democrats are concerned about antitrust when it comes to big tech. They're suddenly concerned about, uh, uh, uh about two thirty provisions, the section mm. two thirty provision, which protected social media from having any sort of, uh, any sort of oversight, you know, remember Republicans were constantly going after big tech. Mm -hmm. over the fact that there was, uh, when it came to antitrust, they were going after the section 230 provisions that existed for, uh, for social media, because the idea here, once again, like we've talked about this for years, if you were just a publisher, if you were an online forum, you had protection under what's called section 230, where you didn't you were not responsible for what people posted as long as you were not a publisher, meaning you didn't go through and have do any sort of editorial to your posts. And then Twitter started adding all of this editorial nonsense. Facebook did the same thing. They all started trying to curate what was in front of people's eyes. And the Republicans said, this looks an awful lot like you're playing publisher to the point of getting rid of certain tweets, uh, suppressing certain um, news um, news stories and things like that, that, that makes you a publisher. You don't get the immunities that are granted to you under 
Section 230. Well, now Democrats are suddenly interested in all of that. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. And it, it's pretty obvious, right, Alan? It, yeah, it is. It, it's, what is interesting about it is how they view Twitter. To me and you and a lot of people, I think we viewed Twitter and Facebook and these things as like, oh, it's just this, that's just this website. Mm-hmm. Who cares? Why is this an issue? Let people do what they want. But to l- listening to them describe it and say, we need these guardrails, we need all this stuff, they clearly view social media in a wholly different light than most Americans. They view it in a much more, they're much more concerned about control of the message on social media than it seems reasonable that they should be. And I think that that exposes how they view all information sharing in general. They view it as we need control of the information that gets to people so that we can curate the message so that they don't come to conclusions that are not the conclusions that we want. They clearly view it and view probably all media as control as a battle space. We need to control the battle space so we can win the conflict. And I think that this their reactions to things like Musk buying Twitter and simply saying it's going to be more a free platform, their apoplectic reactions just prove that beyond a shadow of a doubt. That their op- modus operandi, the way that they do things, is centered around control of information, which is how they view control of how people think. And to me, that means if they lose that control, that's going to be nothing but a benefit and a win to the good guys. Yeah, no, and, and that's 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 exactly it. Is I mean, information is a weapon, but this idea that you know, it, it's good that we're having this battle, and it's good that these things are occurring because it is it is showing. It is showing the bullshit as frustrating as it is. And, and, and it absolutely is the sudden 180. Of course, liberals aren't going to care because everybody's still part of the whole current thing information spectrum. You know, remember like Elon Musk was a hero of the left just a couple of years ago because he had an electric car company and he was making solar panels and all this other, he was, he was a damn hero. And he's not a hero now because he doesn't drink the Kool-Aid. Mm-hmm. You know, that doesn't make him one of our guys, as people want to say it, but he's not one of theirs. And so now everybody hates him. And, oh, I I, I can't tell you how many people I have heard say, like, oh, Twitter's just a hellscape now. Oh, my God. And then when you ask them, oh, like, you know, how long has it been since you've been off Twitter? Oh, I haven't been on Twitter for years, but it's a hellscape now. You're not yeah. even on it. What What are you talking about? Oh, that's right. Some late night comedian spoon fed you that opinion. Mm-hmm. You heard that from Jimmy Kimmel and you want to act like you're a smart person for saying it. And it's just, I don't like, it's insane to me, but it's just, it's the current thing. And I, I, I hope it's, I hope it's a wake up call for Elon Musk. You know, and yeah. maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But the the fact of the matter is, that's what they're scared of. They're now threatening a guy because he's ruining 
their ability to control the information you receive, which shows, not that I think we need to prove it to our audience, but it shows to the greater sphere out there that it is exceedingly important to the United States government, especially the liberal left, that they control what you see, that they control what you hear, and they control what you know. And every American should be concerned about that. Regardless of your political stripe, it should concern you. And the amount of liberals who consistently repeat the bullshit line that they want to keep conservatives out of their business, because that's been the popular line for decades now, should wake up and realize who's actually trying to be in your business and influence what you know. Mm -hmm. And nothing makes it more obvious than this. And we have a great example now that the first hour of the show is in the bag. Well, first, I'm going to, before we, we dive in, because we need to get into Ukraine from mm-hmm. a different side and a different angle, uh, to include the almost going into World War III last week, which we all lived through. Um, what else was there that hasn't been covered? Because we have to get into the money laundering that, of course, we've already covered, but some new stuff came out on that, and then World War III. Uh, but what else haven't we covered, Alan? I don't know. Let's jump into Ukraine. Oh, good. You're, you're chomping at the bit. I just want to make sure I didn't miss anything because we had to do a quick prep this morning and it was all my fault. Well, there's, always, um, as always, there's mm-hmm. so much stuff to talk about, but I think, I think the Ukraine thing with this FTX is too big of a scandal not to spend a good amount of time on. Okay, good. So th- this is, first of all, um, I love this FTX story because all uh, i mean not 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 that i feel like we need to go around patting ourselves on the back all the time and telling everybody how right we were it is the map of exactly what we have been telling you in the audience for years about how the washington dc elite the uniparty whatever you want to call it how they work like it feels great to read it But at the same time, I go, well, of course, that's what's happening. It's not surprising to me, and it might not be surprising to a lot of you. For those of you who might be a little bit new to it, FTX was a cryptocurrency exchange that was started by a guy uh, named uh, Brinkman, oh God, Bankman Freed, Sam Bankman Freed. His mother, and I think we covered this last week, his mother um, started up a bunch of Democrat fundraising organizations. And then all of a sudden he becomes a billionaire cryptocurrency exchange uh, CEO and Mm -hmm. the whole exchange has crashed. Well, more and more information is coming out. We've talked about this throughout the last couple of weeks. We've just hinted at it, but we haven't done a real dive. Not only is Sam Bankman Freed the number two donor to Democrats in this last election cycle behind George Soros, He also was responsible, FTX, his company, was responsible for getting money to Ukraine. FTX had the infrastructure. 
They were the infrastructure partnered with Ukraine to process donations to their war efforts. And this happened days after Joe Biden pledged billions of American taxpayer dollars to the country. Mm -hmm. So this cryptocurrency exchange started by the son of a giant Democrat fundraiser who is also the number two fundraiser to Democrats, a the number two fundraiser for Joe Biden, also just happens to be, for some reason, can anyone explain to me why a cryptocurrency exchange was working hand-in-hand with Ukraine? Yeah. Uh, so... The one of the ways I've seen that this worked was that money was given by the U.S. government to the Ukrainian government, who then invested, used that money to directly invest in FTX. And that money went to FTX. FTX then made huge donations to the Democrat Party, which then used that money as part of their funding for the midterms. Well, well, hang on. We'll get to this. But first explain to me, why would U.S. donations, why would U.S. aid, let me phrase it that way, why would U.S. aid be invested? Isn't the point of U.S. aid to purchase goods for the war effort or or to purchase food and clothes and help sustain a, an economy during a you know war? Yes. Why would it be invested? That's, That's like me question. loaning you money mm-hmm. and you investing it instead of paying your rent that's due. Yeah. Why indeed? It's a very good question. <laughs> Wasn't okay, this money so- supposed to go to the war effort? The thought, the thing is, we were right. We have been writing Ukraine essentially blank checks, and there's no very little oversight of where the money goes. Now, the other part of this that is interesting is I it's hard to know what how this money all sits together. A lot of the money that is being given to Ukraine, Ukraine owes the United States. It's being given in the terms of loans that, oh, well, eventually Ukraine's going to be on the, Ukrainian taxpayers are going to be on the hook to pay a lot of this money back. Was the money that America gave Ukraine, that Ukrainian government then invested into FTX, was that, is that part of money that the Ukrainian taxpayers are obligated to pay back the United States with interest over the next couple decades? I don't really know, but it's something that if I was Ukrainian, I'd be very upset about. Now, you're right on that. Granted, I've I've already taken the solid stance that they know they will never be expected to pay it back. Well, the th- that's the thing, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are expected to pay it back. This is how the United States plans on – how the U.S. government plans on making Ukraine a – fiefdom of the global American empire is because it's the same way the United States, which is owed a debt by a huge number of countries. Thus, the United States gets to set policy within those countries because we control their debt. Okay. Okay. I I see what you're saying. Now, this just goes along the exact same pathway that we drew out years ago when we were discussing the uh, Hunter Biden uh, sitting on the board of a Ukrainian energy company, we explained exactly how it works. These guys go and sit in Ukraine. Uh, they're given 
obscene amounts of money, you know, a million dollars or what have you in, you know, supposed, you know, supposed salary or whatever. Um, but in reality, it's it's an in-kind donation. We saw this during um, Hillary Clinton's run in 2016, the largest foreign donor, mm-hmm. like country-wise, the largest foreign donor to the to the Clintons was Ukraine. And it's because they were fun. They were money laundering, you know, millions of millions, now billions of dollars in taxpayer money goes into Ukraine and then it comes back in donations to the Democrat Party. How many other countries is this happening in? Mm -hmm. Exactly. But but at the same time, I mean, it's the same thing as the uh, Clinton Foundation. And a lot of these foundations started by people you have for the Clinton Foundation. Again, you have. A bunch of Ukrainian, quote, donors donating to humanity, quote, humanitarian causes that the Clinton Foundation is supposedly engaging in that money, which is given from the Ukrainian from Ukrainian oligarchs given to the Clinton Foundation for, quote, humanitarian reasons, then gets turned around and essentially funneled into Democrat fundraising operations. A lot of this is is this is. Money laundering on a massive scale between governments to all to generally, and at least in a lot of these cases, to support the global liberal project. Now, interestingly, not just Democrats, though, because some of it was also revealed that, interestingly enough, now we all know that Sam Bankman Fried is obviously a raging liberal. He second, like I said, second highest donor to Democrats behind George Soros. His mother runs a fundraising, like runs all the fundraising for, or a a lot of fundraising for Democrats. So explain to me why FTX made donations to Kevin McCarthy. Who is Kevin McCarthy for, for our listeners? (laughs) He just so happens to be the Republican speaker of the house who used those donations to fund against MAGA candidates who Mm. threatened his speakership. Interesting. See, part of the reason why I have railed against people like Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell is because they are very much part of the neocon status quo bullshit that I think we need to gut out of Washington, D.C. I don't think Republicans, quote, lost the midterms. I mean, ostensibly they didn't. I don't think they they lost the midterms as much as they were, as we said last week, it was part of the ongoing civil war in the GOP because Mitch McConnell absolutely would rather be mm. the Senate minority leader than just another senator. And similarly, Kevin McCarthy would much rather risk being the House minority leader than not having a chance at the speakership. I think that there are elements within the Republican Party that I think that this proves what has been being said for the last couple of weeks, that people like McCarthy and McConnell screwed over the GOP specifically so they could keep their leadership positions. Right. Also, so going back and checking some of my notes on FTX here, one of the ways this was was, uh, being used to funnel money was 
and they're now interestingly trying to sweep this under the rug. The uh, Aid for Ukraine, Ukraine webpage, which advertised how to help Ukraine with crypto, has now been deleted. The Ukrainian government's gone in damage control mode and is erasing its records. Of course, the records from Bank from Freed are unreliable. So, we're, but a lot of this was archived before, and that's what people are looking back on. One of the so here's one of the ways that FTX was interacting with the Ukrainian government. FTX would donate would take, quote, donations in cryptocurrency, and then, again, this is financially bizarre. So, so they would take donations in cryptocurrency, and then they would tr convert that cryptocurrency into fiat uh, currency donations to the National Bank of Kiev. So essentially, they're taking cryptocurrency, turning, and then they're taking cryptocurrency in, and then donating real money to the Bank of National Bank of Kiev. To me, that speaks like you're essentially money laundering. So people are buying crypto, giving you crypto. The crypto is going to the National Bank of Kiev, where it disappears into quote military aid being spent by the Bank of National Bank of Kiev in real world currency. And there is now no documentation on where that money went. So essentially, your FTX seems like they were using Ukraine as cover to transform cryptocurrency into real money, as at least part of this. And and so it, the interplay between all these is very incestuous. Right. Well, and it, I mean, there's definitely a lot to be said in why would when the federal government itself has already stated that they're not sure how they feel about crypto. And they also talk about it as being potentially very uh, problematic when it comes to criminality. Mm -hmm. Suddenly they're using it for what's supposed to be legitimate purposes. Supposedly. I mean, need I remind people that Ukraine, Russia, basically anything in really that Eastern Europe, former Soviet area is one of the large, it is the population in the world of cybercrime. Mm -hmm. That is where cybercrime exists. Like people hear about ransomware and all this other stuff. A lot of those, a lot of those operations exist in Ukraine. It's not just Russia. Like everyone likes to talk about Russia, but like cybercrime exists in Ukraine as well because there's basically no controls, no real regulation within that government. Oh, absolutely. It was, it was quote, from known prior to this war that Ukraine was the most corrupt country in Europe. And then suddenly Russia invades, and now we hear none of that. It's all, oh, they were just the brave, glorious Ukrainians have absolutely no problems. We should give them millions and millions of dollars with very little, with no oversight. I mean, it's absolutely being used as a way to funnel money back into American politics, just like the way the Iraq and Afghan wars were also used to funnel money back into American politics, that probably a huge chunk of you and you at United States, quote, foreign aid and donations to foreign countries and all these NGO organizations is all probably a huge network of money laundering to move taxpayer dollars into the pockets of private individuals and organizations. Oh, yeah, that was a big call out uh, during Hillary Clinton's campaign was uh, you know, they funded a 
series of like houses and things that were supposed to be built in <clears throat> sorry in haiti yeah and then like not a single structure was built but a bunch of donations went into the clinton campaign yep yeah like uh, of course we've all seen it now the question is is you have well n not only do you have the fall apart of ftx you know a democrat-backed cryptocurrency exchange that has completely gone bankrupt their executives are on the run um people are demanding an investigation but of course the you know most powerful people in american politics have all received money from this person which is of course what they do um but at the same time hilariously i believe it was fortune magazine mm -hmm. is trying to make ftx suddenly become alt-right Ooh, the alt-right scary yeah that's that's a that that's a new twist to this is they're uh the former lover of sam bankman freed uh whose name is caroline i can't remember her last name uh she ran she was the ceo well she's the daughter of an economics professor she was the ceo of alameda which is the company that was making all these risky investments with other people's money mm -hmm. um they're claiming that she is basically like the darling she's the darling of the alt-right because the left is trying to absolve itself of having what can only be described as just one of the most obviously corrupt things going on like i don't know how anyone i didn't know anything about ftx before because why why would i care but oh my god like how did you not know that this was corrupt it shows how brazen it shows how brazen the left is they think that they can get away with anything because they think they have absolute impunity and that's what should make people nervous why did they think that they could operate with absolute impunity uh because clearly they feel like they have the entire intelligence community national security apparatus of the united states on their side willing to willing to provide top cover for activities and they have the entire democrat party to run top cover for their activities who i mean the question would be who is going to hold them accountable that doesn't have to rely on two things that the democrats have shown that they have a high degree of control over at least enough control to stop investigations or to bog them down to make sure nothing comes of them well i i guess this is going to sound like an ignorant question but i hopefully you understand my point does this prove that there's a deep state oh absolutely i mean i thought we didn't need proof at this stage I mean, but it goes on to promote the idea that there is some deep state that runs a lot of American politics. I mean, okay, the idea that there's not a deep state, what does the deep state mean? It means that there are groups within the United States intelligence community that are, or United States in the United States government bureaucracy that are operating with government sanction, government control and government authority to stop things, to influence american politics essentially as the power behind the throne as the praetorian guard that actually picks and controls who is the king that's the idea essentially of the deep state that there is this group that is going to use their the power of the 
top of the secret intelligence community to influence American culture, politics, policy, etc. Now, a lot of people argue against the deep state saying, well, I have know a guy in the FBI. He's an American patriot. There's a bunch of American patriots at the NSA. These people wouldn't be involved, would absolutely not go along with it if their organization was was doing such evil things that go and fly in the face of American democracy. Well, the problem is because a lot of the organizations in the intelligence community can operate behind a veil of secrecy, it means that it doesn't, it only takes small groups within those organizations to do the things that we are accusing them of. For example, how would this work? Say you're the director of the FBI. You use your HR department to identify the most left wing, the most radical left wingers that work for your organization. You then approach them and say, and vet them and say, hey, I want you to be part of this special mission that's going to save America. Then you put all of those left wing activists, the people that are not the patriots that would avoid doing anything that would damage democracy or hurt America. You take those people, you put them in this in one office, you say, this mission is now a special access program that is so secret only the director of the F only the director of the FBI and the president are allowed to know about it. They are given funding and you say, now I want that group that now has full legal that is backed by the legal authority of the federal government can do any number of, of things. Maybe they start a social media site. Maybe they start a consulting group. It do, we have no idea what they do because it's a special access program that is top that is classified to the level where they have no oversight beyond the president of the United States. Well, if they're doing things that the president of the United States wants in collusion with the director of the FBI, you could have the group in that office do a bunch of really shady very politically motivated things that fly in the face of the mission of the FBI or our ideas about American democracy. Because they can operate behind the veil of secrecy, there is no, we have no, con we should have no confidence that they couldn't be this sort of vile deep state operating underneath everything. It doesn't require, all of the patriots that work at the FBI or the NSA or the CIA, the people that you know, we look at and say, well, no, th like that guy's a former Navy SEAL. He's got to be, he would just stand against us. He wouldn't go along with it. They don't have to go along with it because you can pick and choose the people and silo them off into these special compartmented programs. And they can then operate totally with whatever rules they want. So the idea that there couldn't be a deep state is absolutely ridiculous. And judging by the actions of the U.S. government and the intelligence community and all these leaks and the way all this works with these corrupt finance institutions, it almost proves that there absolutely is someone operating inside the federal government with the resources of the federal government and the access that they have to classified top secret information. And additionally, all the, like I said, we'll just say the resources of the federal government, whether they're um, material resources, whether they're resources of authority and power, someone is clearly using that against the will of the American people. Well, and it's it's amazing that you bring this up given the revelation this week, not really a revelation, but we'll call it a revelation this week that the number two guy in the Oath Keepers was an FBI informant. Mm -hmm. And yeah. the FBI still refuses to say how many people they had at the January 6th protest. 
Now, it also did come out that they collected anybody, anyone who was in Washington, D.C. that used a credit or debit card, any person that was in Washington, D.C. on January 6th, on January 5th and January 6th that used a credit or debit card, the federal government has all of your information. Yeah. Without a warrant, by the way. See? And they don't need a warrant because they operate behind uh, uh, this is the other the other component the legal component of this mission operates um to protect america from terrorism and we're operating under the authorization for anti-terror activities those things give them a lot of power and it also means you don't have to justify a lot of what you do if you get some judge to sign off some secret fisa court judge to write off ah these people are doing what's right before anti-terrorism activities now that's a very simplistic view of how this operates but rest assured if the government wanted to to secretly collect all of your data they probably could do it in a way that is technically legal even if it is unseemly yeah one of our uh one, one of the people um in our live chat that was at the rally uh that was at the speech that trump gave on january 6th uh, brings up that the their cell service was cut halfway through the speech. Communications went completely dark, which, by the way, likely does not mean that they shut down cell towers. It likely means that they were gathering yeah, everyone's cell phone data. Mm-hmm. So this, yeah. Well, and I think, and and going on, it's not just the Oath Keepers. I think it was it was released this week that there were up to eight federal informants. At January 6th, masquerading as Proud Boys. Oh, right. Yeah, of course. And I guess the the point of all that is it is absolutely provable that the federal government had previously infiltrated all of these supposed groups that were responsible for January 6th and had advanced knowledge of what was going to happen and chose to allow it to occur so they could use so that the democrat party could use it as a political tool yeah no i mean it 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 100 proves that democrats are full of shit when they say that this was an insurrection or a coup if they truly believed that they would be demanding they would absolutely be demanding an explanation why the fbi didn't do anything to stop it when they had this many um, this many informants when they knew about it, why they didn't do what, why they didn't do anything. If they truly believe that this was an insurrection, if they truly believe that this was a threat to democracy, if they truly believe that it was a coup, then the senators would be demanding to know why the FBI did nothing to stop it. Right. The same as if the same as if, uh, Al Qaeda blew up a building and you found out mm-hmm that that particular cell of Al Qaeda had three FBI agents in it. Well, I there mean, would be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, bad Alan. No, <laughs> but the point is you would see, they would at least feign wanting answers, but they don't even do that. In fact, the January 6th committee, is uh 
they they had they had a section of people whose responsibility it was to, in their in the final report for the January 6th committee which conveniently is coming to an end after the midterms uh there was going to be a part of the report that was going to cover the responsibility of law enforcement and the failures of law enforcement uh mm-hmm. they were told that their uh that their services would not be necessary the January 6th committee is going to have absolutely zero in their final report about the failures of law enforcement. In fact, it's going to entirely uh, it's going to entirely focus on Donald Trump. Why? Because Donald Trump announced his presidency. Yep. And that's the whole news. point. The but- entire point of J- the January 6th committee, which they failed at because they they're bad at this. Let's be honest, as much as we talk about how awful they are and and some of the power that they do have, they are bad at this in a lot of ways. The entire point of the January 6th committee was supposed to be to indict Trump. So he couldn't run for president. Yeah. And even though he delayed past the midterms, which nobody thought he was going to do, everyone thought he was going to announce before they didn't indict him yet. And so now he has announced that he is running in 2024 for the president of the United States, which means that anything that the January 6th committee does, anything that the sudden special counsel, once again, another special counsel has been named by the Democrats to look into Trump, any of those indictments are going to be viewed directly as meddling in the election. Yeah. It's election interference. By the federal government, a Democrat president, his DOJ, his FBI, and the Democrat committee, the January 6th committee, attempting to do anything against Donald Trump after he has announced his candidacy is demonstrably meddling in the election. It is Joe Biden attempting to indict his likely opponent in 2024. Yeah. Which, by the way, revelations that we'll just give right now. Remember the raid on Mar-a-Lago that magically happened heading into uh, the uh, midterms? They found nothing. Yeah, they found nothing. There was nothing. They finally released the report. Interestingly, they've had all this information the entire time, folks. But they just now, after the midterms, uh, felt like letting everyone know, yeah, he didn't actually have anything. But remember, he was supposed to have like nuclear codes that he was selling to Russia. He oh, was supposed scary. to have all he was going to out all of these CIA assets and they were all going to be killed. Uh, you know, we we were all certainly he had a nuclear weapon, probably in Mar-a-Lago, maybe. And he was trying maybe. to sell it. All of this, all of this. It was all bullshit. We knew it was bullshit the whole time, but they finally admitted it. They, uh, what was it? They raided Mike Lindell at a Hardee's mm-hmm. or something. Nothing. Yeah, they, they, they arrested him outside of a Hardee's, the, the MyPillow guy. <laughs> the MyPillow guy who just wanted to get himself a burger. Exactly. Uh, and uh, again, they, they did this when it was unnecessary. They could have sent these people just a, a letter that says, hey, we would like you to show up and do this. But instead... In numerous cases, they were arresting people very publicly at the airport, putting them in leg irons. They're doing all these things. They, like Rudy Giuliani, wasn't he was like boarding a plane and they showed it up, showed up and arrested him publicly at the airport? 
And then it turns out, it's like, actually, they, uh, the prosecutor found nothing. You're like, I'm sorry. Like, I thought a prosecutor had to go to a judge and say, this is why we want this guy for these specific things. The judge goes, that is a, there is a, oh, whatever, whatever you call it, high likelihood that that's absolutely true. And when it turns out there's nothing, it's like, no, you, the system doesn't let you do that. Like, you have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that, yes, this person needs their rights violated. And when they just say, ah, there was nothing, you're like, that seems like you're somehow not doing this above board. Boy, I'll tell you, you guys want to see some insanity now that Trump has declared his candidacy. Mm-hmm. They, are going, they, they are going to need to kill this guy. Trump? Yeah, because if he wins, oh my god. I mean, like, I would yeah, I'd, I would hope that Trump if Trump wins, I don't know what they're going to do. But I don't even know what he would do. What like what does Trump do in this scenario? Like, oh, well, I'm the president. I'm going to gut the federal bureaucracy. I don't know if he would have the unilateral powers president to do that. To do what seemingly would need to be done. After how much this guy's been effed with, I don't I don't know why he would hold back. I don't either. I just, and that actually makes me almost suspicious. I if if Trump say got elected and then did hold back, I would feel betrayed just like when I saw George W. Bush standing shoulder to shoulder with Obama. I'd be like, yeah. wait a minute. How are you friends with Obama after what all the people on the left did to you, George W. Bush. Shouldn't you hate those people after all the lies they said about you in the Iraq war and everything? Oh, no, but you're cozying up to them? Oh, you were on their team the whole time, you son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, they, they. it's just the point. The, the fact is, is that they cannot let him win. By the way, uh, real quick, before we get into the final topic here that we really want to dive into, um, there was a quote, MAGA rally outside of Trump Tower where people were chanting death to DeSantis. My real question here is, uh, who was behind it? Was it funded by Media Matters, the Democrats, or the Lincoln Project? Do we have any bets? Because it wasn't real. Right. I've seen this multiple times where there are so there was supposedly this MAGA rally outside Trump Tower in support for his presidency, where people were stomping on a flag with DeSantis's name and saying, screaming, fuck, you know, F DeSantis. And I look at that and go, that, that can't be real. Because everyone I know that is pro-Trump is also pro-DeSantis. Yeah. It's like, I don't, th- and the idea that there's all these people out there that are so anti-DeSantis that they are in public doing these horrible things off DeSantis is terrible blah I don't believe it's real I think it is this manufactured it seems to me like it's a manufactured thing to try and drive a wedge between the uh between Trump supporters and each other like yes it doesn't make sense it is a psyop to divide the Republican Party to the benefit of Democrats, the global American empire, and the uniparty. Do not fall for it, okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A, a primary is great. Uh, Trump and DeSantis going head-to-head is great for everyone. 
it, it's good because we get to we get to see the two candidates. We get to hear from them. They need to fight for our vote. And you need to pick the person that represents you the most. That is how this works. It is not a, we don't crown our people ahead of time. They have to fight for our vote. And that is how it works. Your vote matters. And both of these men need to fight for it. And they're right. both very good candidates right now. But do mm-hmm. not fall for the, you have to pick your person right now and fight amongst each other. That is something that is being pushed by the Washington elite to make you not matter. And that's what they want. Just mm-hmm. so you know. All right. Now, because the FTX news came out, because we've talked about the deep state, let's talk about how the Democrats tried to start World War III, and we legitimately mean that. Well, There was a missile that hit in Poland, and it killed two farm workers in Poland. And almost immediately from when this missile impacted, we started seeing demands on Poland to activate Article 5 of NATO. For those of you who do not know, Article 5 is when a country is attacked, every member of NATO will respond as if they themselves were attacked. In other words, all of NATO goes to war. Right. That is is Article 5. Yeah, this is the core of the NATO alliance, and it was started during the Cold War. If the Soviet Union invades or attacks any country of Europe, essentially, it's going to trigger the United States to, and essentially it was a way for the United States to put its nuclear umbrella over Europe. Right. Now, what you need to understand is, so people were demanding Article 5. And we say, and when we say people, who are you talking about? We're talking about Democrat politicians and Joe Biden God, or was, just it your- was like, It was like everybody. It was like, as soon as it occurred, the entire mainstream media was saying a Russian missile hit Poland, right? The media itself, a Russian missile hit Poland. So, so I will, I will make sure that I cover this appropriately. The mainstream media said a Russian missile hit Poland at the same time, the same mainstream media, the associated press was saying that according to to national security sources, a Russian missile hit Poland and killed two. Ah, okay. This resulted in all of social media, all of mainstream media to demand that Poland invoke Article 5. What we right. did not see was Joe Biden or the State Department or anyone comment. And this is the reason why. Or the quote intelligence community, right? Well, here's the thing. Let's 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 do it frame by frame. Missile a missile lands and hits Poland, kills a couple people. Oh, very tragic. Immediately, mainstream media releases, according to classified sources, it was a Russian missile. This is an attack on a NATO country, and then this just this should trigger Article Five. Then a bunch of left wing activists start screaming on social media. This should trigger Article Five. We demand America intervene. Um, you know, this a NATO country has been attacked. Well, luckily for us, some dude in Poland with a camera was on site and snapped some pictures of the rocket, uh, of the of the missile debris at this site, saying, and then posted it. I believe on Twitter or social media or somewhere, and posted the pictures he took at the impact site. 
And a bunch of people promptly looked at the pictures and went, that's not a Russian missile. That, right. in, the missile was in fact, according to all these photographs, the missile turned out to, was, the, let's not even say Russia or Ukrainian, because could be, it's missile parts. It turns out the missile parts were a, an air defense missile, a SAM, uh, SAM a surface-to-air missile. Well, that's not what Russia, that's not a long-range cruise missile fired from Russia, that's a short-range SAM fired from Ukraine. So, the Polish president went out uh, basically. I don't. I, I don't know the exact timeline, but it was basically <laughs> in the e or in the afternoon. Um, I had people contacting me, basically saying, "Oh my God, World War Three is happening!" Right. So, of course, I'm looking into it. Um, by the next morning, we have a statement from the president of Poland who said. This was a Ukrainian missile. It was very unfortunate. It was an accident. Now, I will say that there were some cooler heads mm -hmm. in some circles that were saying this may have been a Russian missile, but it was likely targeting something in Ukraine and accidentally hit Poland. Didn't matter. Liberals were ready. The 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 Ukrainian flag wavers, the uh, Zelensky fundraisers, mm -hmm. and Zelensky himself. We're demanding a reaction from NATO because of this. A little information for all of you. As soon as that missile impacted in Poland, mm -hmm. the United States intelligentsia, the intelligence agencies, the White House itself knew exactly where it came from. How do we know that? Well, mm -hmm. for those of you who haven't been paying attention, there's a war in Ukraine, oh. and the majority of U.S. assets aiding in this war happen to be sitting in Poland. Oh. <laughs> so what that means, not only um, is it already that not only is it already that there are a ton of radar capabilities in Poland, just as by dint that NATO yeah. has some of the largest radar capabilities sitting in Poland to monitor not just Ukraine, but also to monitor Russia. Well, So those already exist. Right. But there's also an incredible amount of U.S. assets that are aiding in what is going on in Ukraine. Right. So we have intelligence assets in the air and on the ground that are aiding in Ukraine. For example, uh, and, and this, so we can say there's U.S. intelligence assets there. There likely are. There's mostly electronic, a bunch of electronic reconnaissance planes flying flights around the battle space. But we don't even need to go that far. In oh, Prezev, Prezevodov, Poland, there is a NATO RAT-31DL FADR radar, which is a long-range air search radar that is associated with an American Patriot surface-to-air missile anti-ballistic missile battery. So there's an American anti-ballistic missile battery 40 kilometers from this town on the Polish border with an enormous air search radar that can 
basically paint a picture of everything in the airspace from Moldova to the to the to the Black Sea. It's like right. or sorry, from uh, Moldova up to Lithuania, everything in this huge zone is able to, is watched by this U.S. radar and anti-ballistic missile battery sitting 40 miles from where this occurred. Everything in the airspace is tracked by this radar because it's looking for, for threats. And missiles is exactly what it's designed to, to intercept. The second that rocket was launched, this radar was tracking it. And right. so they knew. The, the, Pol the Polish government knew and the U.S. military knew the minute that the the minute that Ukrainian missile was headed towards the Polish border, they knew. Right. And they chose not to comment. Yes, they either chose not to they chose not to comment for, for whatever reason. You the Ukrainian government, Zelensky, has spent the entire first couple days blaming Russia, saying it was a Russian missile, the Russians have attacked Poland, and it was only in the days later mostly because this some guy took these pictures and leaked it that a bunch of um, sources especially the United States government had to kind of concede uh most likely was not a russian missile uh if article 5 doesn't need to be invoked everybody oops right now roughly now now what was it well it was most likely and it was according to these pictures an S300 air defense missile launched by the Ukrainian air force at a uh, launch by the Ukrainian Air Force. Now, why? Well, there's been a bunch of Russian cruise missile attacks into Ukraine. It is possible that one of these missiles, which is designed to intercept cruise missiles, was launched by the Ukrainian military and either misfired or mistracked its target and accidentally hit Poland. Right. But the fact is, everyone knew that at the time. The Ukrainian government knew it. The Polish government knew it. The American government knew it from the second then this missile impacted poland yeah so why I mean, was there any delay what, uh, the these news organizations were saying the at the second you know right after this happened oh it was a russian missile and they kept that up for a couple days until it, the evidence that it was not a russian missile was so overwhelming that they recanted their story if there wasn't the evidence to the contrary would would the Polish government, American government, Ukrainian government, would they ever have recanted their story? Or would they have used it as further as further proof to demonize Russia? I don't know, but I have I would feel like they would. Well, I they, feel like they would use it as a call to now nah, we need to spend this is why we need to spend more aid money to Ukraine. The other the other side of that too is now remember, it wasn't just the media saying things. Mm -hmm. It was the media claiming that they were getting it from national security sources. Yeah. Like this wasn't just the media saying, oh, it might've been like, oh, it was probably Russia. There are absolutely stories that say, according to national security sources, this was a Russian missile. So right. either they were lying or national security sources were lying. Right. Uh, after the strike, Bob Mendez, Senate foreign relations chair, expressed his hope that Russia would apologize quickly for the loss of life and expressed that it wasn't intentional and warned all sorts of consequences, including the possibility of invoking Article 5 if the strike was intentional. 
Well, he, he would have known if he's on the Senate Foreign Relations Chair. The U.S. Department of Defense knew the missile came from Ukrainian sources. There's no way they didn't. So clearly, the people were very ready to use this incident as a way to further their goals, political goals against Russia. Which should be very alarming because Russia is a nuclear armed nation that we have no business being at war with. Right. Well, and that's that that's what people need to understand is like Article five isn't just something simplistic. This isn't paperwork. This is World War three when it comes to invoking Article five against a nation like Russia. It is a it will be a world war. I mean, but yeah, it doesn't look at how flippantly they were ready to just start demanding it. And in reality, I think hope casting. Mm-hmm. It, it's like these people want to have this war for some reason for maybe it, maybe it's just because they, they think of it like football. Like they just get to watch it from their living room or something, or it's just the emotional nonsense, the obsession that these people have with getting emotionally invested in current thing and then just wanting to provoke it. Like it's like, it's a Netflix series. It is very strange. It's because a lot of these people are acting as though there's no way that Russia can hurt the United States when the opposite of that is true. Russia is a is a full on nation state with nation state level in international assets. All we've all I think the U.S. policy towards Ukraine and towards Russia has done is harden the Russians resolve to find some way to hurt the United States, whether it's economically, militarily, civilian infrastructure. All we've done is make them feel that there is absolutely no reason they shouldn't do any dirty trick they possibly can to hurt the United States because we are done nothing but prove the United States is your enemy and we cannot be reasoned with. This is why I think the, the that our policy towards Ukraine and the whole Ukrainian crisis, demanding Ukraine be in NATO, constantly pushing for the expansion of NATO against the unofficial detente we had at the end of the Cold War, has been in very ill-advised. Why was this necessary? Russia should have been the country we play off against China. But instead, we're doing everything we can to antagonize Russia and drive them and China to harden their resolve And because it proves the United States is untrustworthy and can't be reasoned with. Is this what all these people said when they said, well, I just, I don't like Trump embarrassing us on the world stage. What's more embarrassing? mean tweets or the United States intentionally pursuing a policy that delegitimizes itself as a world power and cause and gives rise to a multipolar world where we are no longer the sole superpower on the planet. Right. Uh, I mean, and that's exactly it. It, 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 It's so much of this is nonsense and it's a they act like it's a game and that's, that's the reality of it. And you have jackasses out there going along with it. Who should know better? I mean, obviously I can't stand this guy, but people like Adam Kinzinger, who is just all in for going to war, you know, with Russia for whatever, whatever dumbass reason, uh, constantly using his veteran status as a way to try to, you know, emotionally manipulate people into, uh, well, let me rephrase, emotionally manipulating Republicans into agreeing with him and his nonsense. And you see the same thing all over where there's just this constant 
slavish dedication to basically walking us into a nuclear war for what for what we just basically proved is a giant democrat money laundering scheme yeah like that is why this is happening that's what ukraine was to a lot of these people was ukraine was a money laundering playground where they could do all their little corrupt games i mean we still don't have a good explanation for all of those DOD funded bio labs in Ukraine, which the DOD admitted were real. Clearly, there is a lot going on in Ukraine that they don't want people to know about, and that clearly a lot of American politicians and politicians around the Western world have some bizarre vested financial and political interest in Ukraine. Yes, yeah. I don't have to. I, it doesn't. I don't have to make that big of a case to say something about this is incredibly unseemly and is clearly not being done for the benefit of the American people. Yeah, no, I mean, it's horrifying, but it's also suspect that this occurred shockingly close to the revelations of FTX being involved with Ukraine. Yeah, it, it all lines up. I mean, this, this, when, when I first saw that this was going on, I immediately started being very concerned about us getting false flagged into a damn nuclear war. So the Democrats could cover up their corrupt dealings with a cryptocurrency exchange and funneling money into Ukraine and back into Democrat coffers. That, that was actually my biggest, because of man, did that line up perfectly? Mm -hmm. So I don't know. There's going to be more information. We're obviously going to dive into it. Like I said, if you guys want to check out any of the items that we talked about today, you can see the links over at subscribestar.com forward slash wrongthinkradio. Just become a subscriber. You'll be able to see all the show notes there. But that's going to be it for this week. We'll see you again next Sunday at noon Eastern. I'm Aaron from the East Coast. I'm Alan from the West Coast. And this is Wrong Think Radio. See you all next Sunday.